Thank you for ever his and music ministry. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 5. Today we are going to conclude our sermon series on the Beatitudes. In a moment we're going to read together the Beatitudes. But before we do that, I want to tell you about last week for me. I was in Birmingham, Alabama for several days at the Southern Baptist Convention the annual gathering of, of local Baptist church leaders and lay people, messengers from different churches. And I want you to know that I looked around the room in the uh, Jefferson Civic Center there in Birmingham and my heart was warmed and encouraged by the great number of people who gathered there for God's business to see the gospel go forth to the ends of the earth. The highlight of the whole week for me was the um, International Mission Board commissioning time for 26 missionaries. And it was very, very moving just to see people going to the nations with the gospel. And I'm thankful to be your pastor. I'm thankful to be Southern Baptist. I'm thankful for your prayers for those who have been in persecution. The highlight, second highlight for me would have been the message that Andrew Brunson brought on Monday night. You may not remember Andrew Brunson, but he was the pastor, the Presbyterian pastor who was imprisoned for two years in Turkey. Two years, falsely accused, considered a terrorist by his government, that he was somehow linked to an overthrow attempt. And this man of God languished in a prison for two years and he told his story and it was gripping. He said back in the early 2000s God really burdened he and his wife to go hard after God in pursuit of him with intimacy with God, relationship with God and that he had been seeking God strongly for all those years. So when persecution really came to him he was shocked by the way that he responded. He called it God's unfelt grace that he experienced. It was as if God was there, but he couldn't feel God's presence. He dealt with depression, suicidal thoughts, were it not for the prayers of God's people, were it not for his wife who stayed in the country and was the only one who had access to her husband very limited amount of time every few days. But he shared his great concern for our country now that he's back in the States after being in Turkey for over 20 years. His great concern for us, he says, is I just don't know if the people of this country who are followers of Jesus Christ are prepared for persecution. Because he thought he was. He thought he was ready. He thought he would experience God's grace and feel his presence in that prison cell. But he was, he was hanging on for his very life. When an unthinkable trial of persecution came upon him. It was a very sobering and powerful testimony from Pastor Andrew Brunson. So in light of that, our theme today is persecution. And I want to read with you. I want to invite you um, to stand with me. And I want us to read together 
the first 12 verses of Matthew's Gospel chapter 5. Let's read this together out loud as this is our final sermon in this series on the Beatitudes. Starting in verse 1, seeing the crowds, read with me, he went up on the mountain and when he sat down his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven verse 11 blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you this is God's word you may be seated The Beatitudes are a progression. As I've said many times now these past eight weeks, like steps in a stairway, like rungs in a ladder, each one building and growing and progressing into deeper and deeper Christian discipleship. Each Beatitude becomes more and more difficult to experience and live out and obey. And our last beatitude is definitely no exception to that. Blessed are those who are persecuted. The question I want to ask this morning is who is persecuted? Paul answers that question for us in 2 Timothy 3.12 where Paul writes these words. He says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Who is persecuted? All who live godly lives in Christ Jesus. For the majority of believers throughout the history of the church, through the centuries of time, they have known well this thing, persecution. We are an anomaly in the great United States of America. A grand experiment on religious freedom, religious liberty that we've known since our nation began. And we have benefited from that so greatly as the church has flourished and the gospel has spread all throughout our land. But at the same time, we have, because of our freedom, which is a blessing, become unaccustomed to persecution. 
And I know that when we talk about persecution in America, we, we see pressure coming, maybe from the government, pressures coming, maybe from co-workers. But I couldn't help but just be moved on Monday night after Andrew Brunson gave his talk on blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. There was then a panel that followed him with Timothy George who's retiring as the Dean of Beeson Divinity School in Birmingham. A great Christian scholar and historian. And he had with him the Ripkins. You may have read their powerful book, The Insanity of God. How the Ripkin family went into Somalia surrounded by the most persecution anyone could ever imagine. And they shared some of their story on that stage. And there is Andrew Brunson and his wife Noreen on the stage. And there in the middle was the man out in Colorado who simply wanted to stand for his principles about who, who he would bake a cake for. Uh, wanting to honor the sanctity of marriage under God's design. And this man experienced tremendous persecution. But on that stage, this American from Colorado was just, you could see the, the, the gravity of the situation. And as he thought about his own minor persecution compared to what Brunson had experienced, compared to what the Ripkins had experienced, certainly the persecution we face is at a much, much, much smaller level. And we should praise God for that, but we should also humble ourselves and realize that if and when persecution comes, will we stand firm? Will we be ready? Because the Bible says all who desire to live godly lives will be persecuted. Why are we persecuted? Well, our passage tells us in Matthew 5, 10, 11, and 12, why we are persecuted. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. It's those that, for the sake of righteousness, living out these beatitudes, that will result in persecution. Then in verse 11, Jesus expands on this beatitude. He, he goes beyond it and talks more specifically there to his disciples who would themselves experience tremendous persecution. And he would also speak to the disciples on this planet earth who have experienced tremendous persecution. Those who revile you, he says. Who persecute you. Who utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, Jesus says. Because that's where persecution comes. It comes from identifying with Jesus Christ. And the more that we are like Jesus, the more potential there will be that we will be persecuted. The Bible says this. Look at John 15 Mark 13 and Matthew 24. 1 John 15. In John 15, Jesus really helps us understand why we as his followers should expect to be persecuted. Verse 18 
says this in John 15. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name. Because they do not know him who sent me. Implicit in these verses is the fact that if we are of the world, the world will have no reason to persecute us. And it very well might be that it's not just the wonderful freedom of expression of religion that we have in this great country that is limited persecution... That's a positive. But the negative could be that we haven't experienced persecution as much in this country because the church over time has become more like the world. And why should the world persecute people who are just like them? Jesus says, if you belong to me, if you bear my name, then you will be persecuted as I was persecuted. Jesus Christ came into this earth on a mission to save, on a mission to heal, on a mission to restore, to redeem, to establish an eternal kingdom. And he came and by and large he was rejected. He was scorned. There were false accusations laid against him that were not true. Jesus listened to those accusations. Jesus remained silent there that night before the Jewish council called the Sanhedrin. And Jesus was falsely accused, terribly treated, and put to death. There is no one who has been persecuted more than Jesus. And that's why he says that if you want to follow me, you must take up your cross daily and do so. That's what it means to be a Christian. And we really have this, it's like a double-edged sword. On one hand, it's wonderful that we have this freedom. But on the other hand, the cost of discipleship, the cost of following Jesus, we just don't feel it like so many other brothers and sisters in Christ feel around the world. Because to say, I will follow Jesus, it's going to cost them something. What does it cost us? So there's this disconnect that we struggle with. But the fact is, if we are godly, if we are like Jesus Christ, then we will be persecuted. Look over at Mark 13. There are two chapters in Matthew and Mark that are parallel. And these are the chapters known as the Olivet Discourse. There's much talk in these chapters about the end times. But in Mark 13... Jesus is speaking about 
The abomination of desolation. He's talking about the end times. His disciples want to know when all these things are going to be accomplished. These prophetic things that Jesus Christ is talking about. The temple being destroyed and so on and so forth. But look at verses 12 through 13. In Mark 13. He says, And brother will deliver brother over to death. And the father and his child. And children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my sake. But, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And that was the promise that Andrew Brunson hang, he, he was hanging on to. He says, Lord Jesus, I want to endure to the end. Help me persevere in this cell. I don't see any way out. No doubt the song, God Will Make a Way, would have been great encouragement to Andrew Brunson in that Turkish prison. But he was convicted and convinced that he had to persevere. He even said that, the great Richard Wombrand, who was tortured for Christ. You may have read his autobiography there in Romania. During the time of, of the communist control of Eastern Europe, Wombrand held on to these verses in Matthew 5, that great preacher, and he said, we're commanded to rejoice before the Lord. And Brunson said, I didn't even feel like it, but I did all that I could every day to dance before God. To say, God, I don't feel you. I don't know how I'm going to get out of here, but I'm going to rejoice in you. I want to persevere. I want to endure to the end. And he said, Lord, I'm just going to rejoice. He said, it wasn't much dancing that I did. If you see, it didn't, didn't look like dancing, but it was the best I could do before God to rejoice in him. Last year, there was a 57-year-old believer from Vietnam. He accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. A few weeks later, his 90-year-old mother accepted Jesus Christ. We would rejoice if such a thing happened. But that's not what happened for this new Christian and his mother. His wife and his children opposed these conversions... Father and his mother were kicked out of their home and out of their village by their own family. This is one of thousands of examples I could read you. Where these verses in Mark and these verses in Matthew 24 I'm going to read now are very real. These verses in John 15 are very real. Look over at Matthew 24. Where Jesus talks here, again, this teaching of the end of the age. The Olivet Discourse on the Mount of Olives. He's teaching his disciples. He's talking about many people will come saying that they are the Christ, Antichrist, false teaching, nation rising against nation. 
kingdom against kingdom. Then in verse 9 he says, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. I don't know what your end times theology is. You may be a pre-tribulational rapture Classical dispensationalist, revised dispensation, you may be an all millennialist, there's so many different categories of these views of the end times based on the scriptures. And the Lord, I think, intentionally keeps it not so clear about the end times, all the details, because He wants us to trust Him. So there might be some that will say, well, Pastor, what you're saying, that's going to be happening during tribulation, and I'm not going to be here. Maybe you're right. I hope so. But there is no guarantee from reading these verses, here our Lord Jesus Christ is giving instruction to believers. And as we speak right now, believers are experiencing this. And God hasn't raptured them up to heaven to protect them. They're experiencing this right now. And who's to say that we want to? That's the challenge I want to lay before us this morning. We need to be ready to endure persecution. Regardless of our end times views. I hope that there's a pre-tribulational rapture. And I can make a strong case for it from scripture. But we don't know at the end of the day what kind of persecution we're going to face. And I pray that we are ready for it. One last scripture, Hebrews 13, verse 3. Then I want to lead us into a time of really reflecting and thinking about the persecuted church. Hebrews 13, 13, the Bible says this, Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them. And those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. We're commanded to remember those who are imprisoned and mistreated, even persecuted for the faith. I want to show you a video that last year, David Platt, who was the president of the International Mission Board, but now is the lead teaching pastor at McLean Bible Church outside of Washington, D.C. He was in South Korea last fall, and he recorded this kind of selfie video there at the border of North Korea. Listen, North Korea is the number one most persecuted country on the planet. There are 50,000 Christians who are imprisoned in North Korea. 50,000 people trapped 
in detention centers, in work camps, in prison, in this dark country of North Korea. But here you'll hear the heart of David Platt. And as he prays, I want to invite you to pray along with him as he intercedes on behalf of these brothers and sisters in Christ in North Korea. So I'm standing right now right at the uh, border with North Korea. I can look right across there and see into North Korea. Uh, behind me, though, is a old church building. So where I'm standing actually used to be North Korea. And uh, just 70 years ago, uh, this was uh, a church building in North Korea, and it was destroyed by uh, communists, and uh, all kinds of torturing and killing happened inside this church building. Um, the history actually behind this church actually goes back before even communists take over because when Japan was ruling here and the pastor at this church refused to participate in shrine worship, the pastor was martyred. And so right behind me is just a, a picture of faithful saints who over the last century worshiped Christ here and uh, paid for it with their life. And it's a reminder of church buildings like this all across North Korea. So they estimate there's about 3,800 church buildings in North Korea that used to be standing there, all of which are destroyed, or some of them are used as communist training facilities. Um, so I just, uh, I want to ask you to join with me in just praying for our persecuted brothers and sisters in North Korea right now. and. For the church there to rise up again. I was just preaching this morning from Matthew 16 uh, here in South Korea on uh, the gates of hell not being able to prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. And so would you just join me in praying for just a minute? God, we pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters in North Korea. God, we pray that you would strengthen them, that you would uphold them with your righteous right hand. God, that you would help them in every way. As they're worshiping in secret, as some of them have been exposed and are in labor camps right now, God, we pray, please, please strengthen them, sustain them. Please help our brothers and sisters, Father, to know that they're loved, that we are with them, that we care for them. God, we pray that you would strengthen them in their faith. You would help them to hold steadfast in their faith, that you would enable them to speak amidst the threats around them, to speak your gospel with boldness. We pray for your provision for their families. God, we pray for kids with parents in labor camps. That those kids would know your love for them and the truth of Christ. It's worth it. What's happening from their mom or dad's life. God, we, we pray. We pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters, and we pray that your church would uh, stand strong. The thousands, many thousands of believers that are there right now across that border, God, that you enable them to stand strong and proclaim the gospel even when it, when it costs them everything. In Jesus' name. Amen. Kyrgyzstan is in Central Asia. Her name's been changed because of protection purposes, but Amira is the name that Open Doors gave to this young lady from a small village. It's a Muslim country. Two years ago, she went to the city and there she learned about Jesus Christ. When her parents learned that she had become a Christian, they were angry. They said, you're a shame. You're a disgrace to our family. 
They invited her back home from the city. But when she got there, Amira was, they tried to force her to reconvert back to Islam and they put her under house arrest. They also planned to force her to marry a Muslim man. By the grace of God, she was able to escape. She went back to her church in the city. And the, and the leaders then sent her to another larger city. She loves her parents and her relatives, but she can't go home because of the fear of being forced to marry. That's Amira. Or Tao, who's a house church leader in a Buddhist village in Laos. He says, I've never seen peace in my village because the local authority in my community persecute me. They are opposed to my belief. Recently, he and his wife and children experienced attacks after his village refused to allow a Christian family to bury one of their own family members. The village chiefs and elders heard that this Christian ceremony had been arranged and they warned the family not to perform any rituals that would be related to Jesus Christ. But the family pushed through with it. When the villagers saw what they were doing, they began to beat the Christian believers who were there, having a funeral. Imagine having a funeral service and having folks come in and beat you because you're trying to honor someone who's died and gone to be with Jesus. They said, Christianity has no meaning and Christians are useless, they shouted. You have no value even when you die. After that incident, Tao faced series of attacks. Last year, his, his rice barn was burned. His tractor he used to plow his field was destroyed. His house was pierced through the roof. He reported his crimes to the chief of the village. His case was ignored. A day after reporting the incidents, his wife was also attacked. She was holding their baby. She asked, why do people hate us Christians? Why are we not being helped? The man that she asked, a villager said, be quiet. He then hit her twice in the head. Another man who saw it happen said, beat her, hit her. It would be good if she dies. That man who was beating her threatened her. He said, I will knock down everyone who believes in Jesus. I will kill them because they are meaningless and have no value. Tao says, I wish the government would help us and solve this problem. I've been suffering with this kind of treatment of eight years already. Eight years. Or Nigeria or Niger. Those two neighboring countries. Where the Islamic extremist group Boko Haram kidnaps people, women, abuses them. Back in July of 17, they kidnapped 30 to 40 women and children and executed nine other people in the village of Nakaliwa. A month later, two female suicide bombers attacked a camp. The president in 18, Muhammad Bihari, the current leader of Nigeria, says Boko Haram has been defeated. But since that statement, 1,300 people have died at the hands of this terrorist group. And we're out of time, but I wanted to show you a video, but I'm not, we're not going to right now. But it's a video of, of a woman who, who experienced the most traumatic experience anybody could experience, sexual abuse. And how she went on this journey to learn how to forgive and have experienced peace and healing in her heart. I want to invite our worship team back up, Anthony and our, our instrumentalists. And this is how I want to conclude the service today.
I want to have a time of prayer. And look, if you feel comfortable praying with folks in your, your pew together, feel free to, to join hands and pray out loud. If you want to pray silently by yourself, if you want to come to the altar. But I want us to have a time of prayer for a couple of things. First, if you want to start playing kind of quietly, Kim, as I conclude the time, please. But first, just pray for, pray for the church in America that will stand strong. That will endure to the end when we experience persecution. Pray that God would strengthen your heart. And it may be that your heart's not strong because Jesus Christ is not on the throne of your heart. When Christ takes up, up residence of your life and makes you strong in Him and gives you new life, then you're going to be willing to stand for Him. I also want us to pray for these unbelievers um, around the world who are persecuting our Christian brothers and sisters, they need Jesus Christ. That's their only hope. And a great church historian, a great church history father of the church once said the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And the church is growing in places where the gospel is trying to penetrate into the greatest darkness. So pray for gospel expansion. Pray for these families who've been... I just gave you a couple of stories. There's hundreds more. In every country, in Colombia, three pastors have been put to death. Colombia. That's in our hemisphere. That's a primarily Catholic nation. Three pastors killed. Pray for these churches. Pray for these believers. Pray for comfort. Pray for grace. Let's just enter into a time of prayer. Maybe God is stirring your heart to take the gospel to the nations, to, to go and, and minister to the church that's being persecuted. Maybe God's stirring somebody here to go. Maybe God's calling you to do something more than you're doing now. However God is dealing with you, let's just enter into a season of prayer. And in a moment, Anthony, I'll tell you when we want to sing. Let's just pray. Join hands, pray out loud, pray silently. Pray for yourself, pray for our nation. Pray for these people around the world who are struggling right now.